And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a great week. Uh, yeah, a lot to get to, as always, today. Um, I'm going to go through some of the problems that uh, that uh, the Democratic candidates for president are facing right now. Um, turns out intersectionality is really biting um, all of them <laughs> in the behinds right now, so it, it's entertaining to watch. I'm going to break all of that down. Um, first... I want to remind you guys to follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Uh, tweet at us. We always tweet back. And please, guys, if you haven't already, get with it. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. Um, if you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And, hey, man, look, big tech companies, Facebook, uh, Twitter, YouTube, these guys are banning conservatives left and right for absolutely no reason. Who knows how much longer I'll be on social media. They could just ban me at any time. Uh, so you got to subscribe. you got to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, all that good stuff, um, so you know uh, when the new episodes come out on the off chance that I do get you know banned from Twitter and all, and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, definitely subscribe and leave us a good uh, review. I definitely appreciate it. All right, so the left's obsession with intersectionality and identity politics is quickly becoming a nightmare for the, the Democratic 2020 candidates. Every single Democrat running for president has check marks against them on the intersectional scale, you know, and, or on the social justice scale. You know, every single one of them. None of these candidates are, are immune to, to attack from their leftist base. None of these candidates are impervious from attack uh, on the basis of intersectionality and social justice. The left has spent every waking second for years at this point attacking white people, attacking men, attacking rich people. Attacking straight people, attacking old people, attacking anyone who isn't an all-out socialist. So, looking at the leftist base, if you hate everyone, if you hate white people and straight people and old people and rich people and anybody who isn't a commie, who on earth are you supposed to vote for? Honestly, who who are you supposed to give your vote to? Because none of them check off all the boxes that the left wants checked off at this point. So let's just go down the list. Joe Biden, who is still the, the front runner, former Vice President Joe Biden, he's still leading every single poll nationally and in you know the key states like New Hampshire and Iowa, uh, which are the, the first two primary states. He, he's still the front runner. I, I think he's going to implode. I think he still will run, but I, I think he will drop in the polls pretty quick, but he's still technically the front runner. You know, he's just not communist enough for the new left. You know, he still calls himself a capitalist, so the leftists really don't like that. He's also straight, old, white, and rich. So <laughs> that's a lot of checks against him, man. That is a lot of checks on the... Uh, that's a lot of intersectional checks against Joe Biden. And he's also being me too which that that is probably the, the factor that will take down his campaign. He is being accused, uh, like we mentioned on the last podcast, of inappropriately touching a, a handful of women... Uh, apparently, there's two more women that are going to come out, come out against him on the record. Uh, so you know that that's not going to help old uh, creepy Uncle Joe. And by the, by the way, I, I never thought I'd I'd defend Joe Biden 
on this podcast. I disagree with him on literally everything. And he is very creepy. I mean, if you know, it's not even just women. He he's been inappropriate with like young girls. I mean, there's just Google creepy Joe Biden and there's hundreds of videos of him just being handsy and being weird and creepy with with women and girls. You know, no, no one's accused him of rape or sexual assault or anything like that. And that's why look, we're still in this me too moment as a society. We we have to draw some lines somewhere. You know, like, are we supposed to treat Joe Biden the same way we treat Harvey Weinstein, who's been convicted of rape? You know, like, look, like, Joe Biden's not a rapist. He's not a sexual assaulter. Like, he's just, he's old, he's creepy, he's weird, he's handsy. But are we supposed to, like, you know, just excise him from, from polite society because cause he's a weird old guy? I mean, I don't know. It seems a little strange to me. Like, if Me Too is not going to completely ruin society as we know it, we need to draw the lines and say, hey, there are levels to this. There's levels to Me Too. Okay, like Joe Biden isn't Bill Cosby. Okay, he's not Harvey Weinstein. So anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. It is kind of weird. And also, this isn't confirmed, but I've seen a lot of smoke behind this. I've seen a lot of people um, saying that a lot of these attacks on Joe Biden are coming from the Bernie Sanders campaign, which would make sense. Bernie Sanders is looking up at Biden in the polls. Uh, probably rightfully so. Bernie Sanders probably views Joe Biden as his biggest threat um, for the nomination. So it, it does make sense. Obviously, the media, it completely, Joe Biden's been Joe Biden for a long time. He's been creepy and handsy with women forever and ever. Um, and, you know, nobody really... Uh, paid attention to it until now and obviously the entire press the entire mainstream media are, are a bunch of socialists now too so um they're probably happy to to aid bernie sanders the communist uh in his attempt to take out joe biden so that that's probably what's happening here but obviously a lot of intersectional check marks against uncle joe uh you know he's extremely old i believe he's 78 years old he's straight he's rich and he's being me too so are, is are, is the left supposed to vote for him you know, Kamala Harris, the senator from California, she's young-ish. I think she's in her early 50s. She's black or half black. But she was a federal prosecutor, man. She's a cop. She's a cop. She literally jailed people for smoking weed. She fought hard to to keep weed illegal in California. So, like, you know, they like her because she's a woman and she's black and she's definitely a leftist. She's a far leftist. You know, she's essentially a socialist. I think that's fair to say. But she's a cop, and that's another check mark against against any everyone, right? Because the the left hates cops, so she's a cop. She's a prosecutor. She's jailed people. She's jailed black people. God forbid. So that's a huge check mark against her. I don't know how she gets over that. Is the left supposed to vote for a cop? Is the left supposed to vote for a federal prosecutor? I think not. And let's get to Bernie Sanders. He's old. He's rich. He's white. He's straight. You know, he's Jewish, and, and the left also hates the Jews. But, I mean, Bernie, if Bernie Sanders is a Jew, then I'm the queen of England. I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he's an atheist. He's an outspoken atheist. He hates religion generally and, and definitely hates religious people. Uh, he certainly hates uh, American Jews and Christians. He does not like people of faith. He makes that just overwhelmingly clear, abundantly clear. Uh, and But he's, he's had to say things on the campaign trail like, you know, he'll say, well, we really need a woman president, you know, and I would totally pick a woman as my VP pick. You know, it's it's about time for a female president, but you should still vote for me. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we need new blood. We need minorities. We need women. But you should vote for me, the 80 year old 
white, straight, rich guy. Which is very strange. If Bernie Sanders was serious about his rhetoric, his intersectional rhetoric about how we need more women in office, why wouldn't he just endorse Elizabeth Warren? I mean, Elizabeth Warren is running for president, and she's every bit as communist as Bernie is. The interesting thing about Bernie in this topic of intersectionality, too, is he seems to be getting hit less than all the other candidates, which is pretty telling. This leads me to believe that the most important factor on the list of factors that I that I mentioned at the beginning of the show is the socialism factor. Like, that's the most important thing. Being a communist is the most important factor for the left and the media. And he's a communist. He is an open communist. He's praised the Soviet Union. He has praised Venezuela. He said that bread lines are good, um, which is a asinine, completely indefensible statement. But he's getting hit less than the others, I'd say, uh, in terms of intersectionality, because he has the one factor uh, that counts, and that is that he is an open, proud socialist. Beto O'Rourke was the hero of the Democratic Party last year when it looked like he had a chance to take out Ted Cruz in, in the senatorial race down in Texas. But the left is turning on him. He's turning on him. Or they are turning on him, I should say. He's young. He's in his late 40s. He's 47, 48, something like that. He's a socialist. He's an extremely far-left guy. He's endorsed reparations for slavery. He's endorsed Medicare for all. He's endorsed eliminating private health insurance. I mean, he, you know, you'd think the left would love him. But he's being attacked for being a white man, <laughs> for being a straight white man. They were attacking him. The press was attacking Beto O'Rourke for having his wife sit next to him in a campaign ad. And she was just kind of sitting there smiling and just like the wife of all politicians do, just like the husbands of female politicians. That's just what you have your spouse next to you. They smile and nod and, and you act like a big happy family. And, and uh, you know, the, the left is attacking him because... They're saying he's using his wife as a prop or something like that, like he's being a misogynist or something like that. It's ridiculous. He goes from hero of the Democratic Party last November to now he's dropping in the polls. He's he's, he's somewhere around 10% still, which is actually you know better than I thought he would do. But he's not going anywhere because he's a straight white man. Elizabeth Warren is a woman, and she's a communist, but she's extremely rich, extremely old, and white. So I don't think she's going anywhere in the inter- in an intersectional world that we're living in right now. And even if she wasn't old, rich, straight, and white, she I, I mean, she's not going anywhere because she claimed to be a Native Native American for years and got got trolled by the President of the United States into taking a DNA test and then releasing it and, and proving to the world she's one 1,024th Indian. So, I mean, we kind of leave her off this list. I mean, she... She destroyed her campaign well outside the, the boundaries of intersectionality. She's just a terrible candidate and not that bright of a woman. So she killed her own shot years ago when she claimed to be an Indian to get hired at Harvard Law School. So Cory Booker is youngish. I believe he's 50. And he's a socialist. He's extremely far left, even though when he was mayor of Newark, New Jersey, he campaigned as, as the bipartisan guy, as the moderate. And then when he was uh, first elected to the Senate, he, you know, he, he, he tried to position himself as the bipartisan guy, as the moderate. But he's a socialist. He's endorsed Medicare for all, the Green New Deal, this, that, and the other. Uh, but he's a man. So, you know, when there's Kamala Harris, who's a black woman, and Cory Booker's a black man, I mean, who's more intersectional? I mean, uh, Kamala Harris is, is obviously higher up on the, the intersectional pyramid. So why would anybody vote for Cory Booker? 
Also, he's not quite as smart as Kamala Harris or most of the other candidates, obviously. And Cory Booker claims to be straight. I don't know. There's been rumors forever that he's gay. I don't care if he's gay or not. But uh, he he's he's desperately trying to convince people that he's straight, which is kind of awkward. He's constantly talking about how he's dating that actress, for what, uh, Rosario Dawson, I believe. I forget what she was in. Some B-list actress. But it's it's real weird. He he's he's he's, really, he's laying it on thick. He's look how straight I am. It's like all right, man. All right, I get it. You you like chicks? Like that's cool. I get it. Tulsi Gabbard is young. She's thirty eight years old. She's a woman. She's a hardcore socialist on economics. She is to the left of Karl Marx. She's uh uh she's Hindu. She's Indian American. But. She doesn't want to bomb every Muslim country off the map. Um, and she doesn't want to persecute Christians and Jews. So, <laughs> that's, and to be a Democrat in, in 2019, you have to hate Trump for wanting to uh, withdraw uh, troops from Syria. You know, you, you have to want more troops in the Middle East for some reason, which I'm old enough to remember when people on the left were actually anti-war. And that's... Uh, uh, that's completely gone away. But uh, So the left doesn't like that she doesn't want to bomb every Middle Eastern country. And to be a Democrat in 2019, you want to, you, you have to want to persecute Christians and Jews. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to believe that uh, if you're Catholic or if you're an Orthodox Christian, you can't uh, be a federal judge, for instance. And uh, Tulsi Gabbard called out her, her colleagues for that. Uh, and so she's not going anywhere. Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of uh, South Bend, Indiana, who's actually been surging uh, in the polls lately. He's been able to raise quite a bit of money, and and he's definitely outperforming uh, expectations so far. Uh, He's very interesting because he's young. He's 37 years old. He's a socialist. He's a wild leftist. He's the first openly gay presidential candidate for either party. But he's he's a successful white man. (laughs) You're literally seeing articles uh, blatantly stating this. There was a, a piece in, in the Daily Beast yesterday weighing whether or not Pete Buttigieg's whiteness or gayness should be weighed more heavily, <laughs> right? It's like they're going back and forth. I forget who, who wrote the piece, but it, it's just so telling from the left. It's so telling from the left. It's so transparent. It's like, yes, Pete Buttigieg, it's so great that he's gay, but he's white, but he's so gay, but he's so white. Yeah, but he's he's gay. He's married to a guy. Yeah, but he's so damn white. So it's like, come on. Really? Like, this is what these people care about. This is all the Democrats care about. Checking off the boxes. Checking off the intersectional boxes. Democrats certainly don't care about the content of one's character. They're the opposite of Martin Luther King Jr. They're the opposite of MLK. MLK said you know, judge somebody by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. The Democrats say only judge somebody by the color of their skin, their gender, their sexual orientation. It's so pathetic. This primary process is going to be the dumbest, least informative primary of all time. Of all time. The media and the Democrats mocked the Republicans because 17 Republicans ran for president in 2016. Probably too many. 17 a bit much. Did Scott Walker really think he could become president? Did Lindsey Graham? Did Ben Carson? Maybe some of these guys didn't. Did John Kasich? Maybe some of these guys didn't need to run. 
But the debates were actually interesting. They de- they devolved a little bit towards the end, and, and it turned into them, you know, making fun of each other and calling each other names. You know, the the Donald Trump and Marco Rubio comparing dick size and stuff like that. That that was a bit much. It definitely devolved a little bit towards the end of the primary process. But I enjoyed those debates because there was actual intellectual diversity on that stage. I mean, there was the the Rand Paul, you know, a, a minarchist libertarian, an anti-war guy. There was a constitutional conservative like Ted Cruz. There was the bomb thrower, Donald Trump. You know, there was a, a centrist like John Kasich. There was the fiscal hawks like Scott Walker. There was the war hawks like, like Lindsey Graham and Marco Rubio. You know, there was a, a Ben Carson, who was a, a successful neurosurgeon, brain surgeon, who ran as the devout Christian, as the religious conservative. You know, you had the, the, the Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio, who ran as like the traditional George W. Bush kind of Republican. You know, you had, you had, they, and they each had different issues that were the focal points of their campaigns. Like, obviously, President Trump is build the wall. We need to secure the border. We need to stop illegal immigration. Yeah. And Lindsey Graham, you know, hey, well, we need to finish the wars. We need to keep up the, the war machine going to the Middle East. We got to focus on Russia and, and this and that. And, and, you know, Rand Paul, we got to balance the budget. We got to bring the troops home. And, you know, and, there, and there's like centrists or even I would say center left guys like John Kasich, who said, you know, he doesn't want to cut entitlement spending at all. And he even wants to expand it like he did in Ohio with Medicaid expansion and stuff like that. There's all different kinds of, of, of opinions on that stage. They were actually debating opinions, at least at first. Like I said, it did devolve, as most primary processes do. But these Democratic candidates aren't going to debate ideas. They all agree with each other on everything anyway. They're all a bunch of commies, with the exception of, you know, I guess John Hickenlooper and maybe Amy Klobuchar, maybe Andrew Yang. The rest of them are all communists. They're all Marxists. They all agree on that. They agree on Medicare for all. They agree on eliminating private health insurance. They agree on reparations for slavery, which is insane. I mean, they agree on all these radical leftist talking points. So they're not even going to debate ideas. There's not going to be one ounce of intellectual diversity on this on the Democratic debate stages. They agree with each other on everything. They're going to be attacking each other's gender and sexual orientation <laughs> and skin color. The, the female candidates, it's time for a female. Vote for me because I have a vagina. You guys have penises. You can't be president. I have a vagina. Vote for me. That's going to that's be Kamala Harris's selling point. And I guess that might work on a small percentage of voters, I suppose. Not the smart ones. I mean, it's it, it's incredible. I, I Thank God the Republicans don't do this, or at least they don't struggle with this issue as badly as the Democrats do. Because it just seems just tedious, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem exhausting to constantly focus on race, constantly focus on gender and sexual orientation and factors that are completely out of your control? <laughs> Gosh, I just want to hear ideas. And look, I, obviously, I, I'm an elected Republican, right? I'm a conservative. I'm a conservative with libertarian leanings. I don't want there to be a Democratic president next. I really don't. And I will campaign and I will uh, use my platform on the show and, and do whatever I can do to make sure a Democrat is not in the White House in 2020. But I, I don't want the Democratic Party to be completely ridiculous. I don't want them to become a joke. Like, the country is better when we have two strong 
viable, realistic, thriving parties. But I don't see that <laughs> as the, the at least the immediate future of the Democratic Party because they're not going to be debating ideas. They're not going to be challenging each other's policies. They're just going to be checking off boxes on the intersectional pyramid. That's it. Vote for me, I'm a woman. Vote for me, I'm black. Vote for me, I'm gay. Vote for me, I'm this. Vote for me, I'm that. My gosh, how about put forth actual ideas that can help everyday Americans? But they're not going to do that, are they? Man, it's... Ugh. I, I feel bad for the Democratic voters. I honestly do. Because it, it seems so tiresome to me. It seems so tedious to have to focus on race, to have to focus on gender and sexual orientation and things like that. Like, I just, who cares about that stuff? Let's debate the ideas. Let's actually put forth realistic policies. But they can't do it. It's going to be a long primary season, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> buckle up we're just getting started Uh, i know this was a short show today uh i will make it up uh to you next week and monday's show was long i think it was like 45 minutes so i don't know how long this one is maybe 25 but yeah i'll I'll do a couple longer shows next week i had to do a solo show today i had a guest that uh had to bail last minute due to unforeseen circumstances but uh, i'll try to get her back on uh next week and I, i have some good guests coming up i think you guys will really enjoy it but uh yeah that's all i got i'm brady leonard i'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.